that counts are a pain in the ass. Um, I'm Henry, and you are Cassie. We both work at the Butler's Wine Cellar, which is a wine shop in Brighton. I had uh, prostate cancer, and I now don't have prostate cancer. So we've been um, recording these podcasts to try and demystify it for anyone who might be going through the procedure themselves. Um, and just try and explain a little bit about prostate cancer and hopefully more men will get tested and survive this horrid disease. Hopefully it'll become part of the, I don't know, like an NHS thing that happens regularly where men get checked. Like a screening process. Yeah, that's what would be the best thing, I think. Like women have smear tests. Lots of um, people pushing for that, but also people pushing against it. I presume there are quite large costs involved and some people would argue that it can cause men to worry unduly because the sometimes the PSA tests aren't fail-safe, are they? Well, no, but yours was the opposite, where they said, don't worry about it, and you had cancer. So it works both ways. <laughs> so Lesson learned. And if you want um, actual proper scientific information, really helpful site is prostatecanceruk.org so and we have spoken to since this happened we've spoken to quite a few friends and people have been to hospital to get tests and at least two of them have had positive results come back with no symptoms positive as in they have got they've cancer got, yeah or they've had something that needs, that needs checking, attention yeah. Out, yeah so i think if in doubt go and get a test and if you've got any symptoms at all or any changes to your normal functioning, go and get a test. Yes, and we think, um, based on our experience, that it's better to know than not know. Yeah, it's better for peace of mind, isn't it? Yes. If nothing else. Yes, and it's especially important if you have um, anybody in your family who's had a history of prostate cancer, you're over 50, um, although my brother and I were 49, weren't we? Yeah. Um, And if you are black, yeah family so um this this episode was a bit bit tough to to go through i thought um and this is mainly you because i was not in the hospital i was not allowed anywhere near the hospital because of covid at this point yeah so that that's i i was really nervous about the operation because i've not had any operations before no, had, and you're not very good at asking for help or asking anyone to do anything or generally making any kind of what you think might be a fuss. So you'll just sit there and wait. Really? <laughs> in silence, being meek. Or in my gown in the waiting room <laughs> and when all the lights are on. I do all of the chat and all of the fierceness. Maybe that's why you weren't allowed in. I don't think so. Um, it was the, the operation took place in Eastbourne Hospital, and I, I must stress that I... I to, for me, I thought I received excellent attention and care, um, just faultless, amazing, amazing people. But it is any sort of trauma and operation, especially it seems, I think, round the core area of your body is pretty bloody dr- brutal, isn't it? There's a lot of organs under there. You've had some action down there, haven't you? And it's... Yeah, it it's not very a while nice. To recover, doesn't it? Yeah, and they did say to you the reality of this is, and they said to you, the surgeon said beforehand, you will feel like you've been hit by a train. Mm. That's what he, that I remember I've, that very clearly. Yeah, I forgot that. 
So I think, yeah, I think you forgot that until you got home, at which point you realised you felt like you'd been hit by a train. I thought that was just your driving. Really? But they did, he said that they, I think they, even though it's keyhole, they have to move, organs get moved around, they get... Or your bowel. There's a lot of, you were very bruised. There's a lot of bruising afterwards. And obviously bruising, it's internal and external, and that takes a lot of time to heal. Yeah. So... So, leading up to it, um, the best, the, the, the good advice is that you, you try and remain healthy, uh, lose some weight... I had to lose a little bit of weight. Well, you'd lost weight because you weren't allowed to drink for two or three weeks. That's when you shed about a stone. Really? <laughs> I think I did a month beforehand. In my mind, it felt like a month. Yeah, anyway. and we got you a therapist. So we put you in therapy, which helped deal with whatever was going on in your head. And you had a personal trainer. So we are in a fortunate position to be able to get all of those things on board and realise that not everybody has access to that. Yeah. But there are... Having said that, there are ways of getting that support. If you were prepared, you could um, apply for these things through the NHS and probably through the cancer care people, they could put you in touch with with people like that and therapists and everything to help deal with this. We just decided to go privately because we were sort of trying to be very matter-of-fact and just get things done. Yes, and, and it was COVID time, wasn't it? So... You couldn't you see can, anyone face to face. Really, no, but I, I think that is important, actually. And I, I forgot this, that I, with sort of few trusted people, I would go out for a walk, wouldn't I, for about an hour for my health stuff. And then while you're doing that, you tend to, to chat and open up with each other. And I, I found that a really good process that I sort of carried on where I can. I think that was really good. Um, I was basically in the shop at this point 24-7. Yes. <laughs> trying to keep the business afloat so you also have to bear in mind that you don't want to catch anything so you have to keep sort of fairly isolated else your your um your operation date gets put back and they get really cross then probably because yeah we were careful but because of covid i mean we didn't have any staff in anyway that's why i was working no. all the time as well so i had very little contact with anyone and then would come home and We'd see each other, and that was it. It was a, it was quite a lonely time, really. Yeah, Bearing in mind there was this this big thing going on, and it's scary because you got cancer, and we couldn't re- couldn't see any family, couldn't see any friends. No, it's, it's a good um, point. We kind of isolating. Yeah, we were just doing it ourselves, weren't we? And the other thing that they get you to do is um, pelvic floor exercises, which uh, is probably something that's familiar to a lot of women of a certain age, or any age actually mm. um but it's it's an exercise that is very easy to do and you you build up your the strength Just of your bladder clench your bits you do clench your bits <laughs> not with hands <laughs> but inside and uncle bill your uncle he had uh, prostate cancer didn't he and, yeah. and he stressed how important this was and he he still goes he still practices it. Is, yeah, he's a big exist. tennis player, so I think it was kind of essential. Otherwise, he'd be pissing everywhere. <laughs> and he puts in a big serve. <laughs> he serves a bit more up than the. Uh, but it was before. good advice because it it does help. All of these things help the recovery process speed up a bit afterwards. Yes. You know, if you're in peak health and you're going into this in a good frame of mind, healthy and as happy as you can be, the outcome is going to be easier. Yeah. 
So basically, you had to drop me at the hospital door. Yeah, that was horrible. We'll put you in a wheelchair. And then <laughs> and then walk away. Yeah. You couldn't come in at all. No, you, you were that was awful. Yeah. So uh, what was going on there then with you? What were you thinking? I was thinking, shit in Christ. You might not come out again. You do like control, don't you? So... I like control and I don't like death. I'm very, I'm a very, no, but I have a massive fear of it. Like these, it's all of my worries. So, and you're my closest person. So it was very scary. It's suddenly, it's like having the weight of the world on your shoulders and feeling like your other half of you might not come back. Whereas and it's I, scary. I was probably saying it'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. You were like, it's see, fine. See I'm going to just have tea and biscuits and everything's great. Which I did. Well, yeah, and then you got in there and shit your pants. Not not literally, because I didn't have anything <laughs> you on. yourself. I didn't do that either. But normally, <laughs> I guess you would have come into the little ward when you sat by the bed. Yeah, and sit there and wait until you wake up. Until yeah, until the whole thing. So at least a nice you're there. Then, isn't it? But we well, didn't yes. have any of that, did we? Yeah, so equally, when you woke up, you were on your own as well. Yeah, and I think the nurse. Nurse Kelly probably phoned you to say that it had gone all right. Yeah, you're alive. I wasn't uh, with it. So, um, no, and then I had a night on my own, which I hate. <laughs> Luckily, I had the cat. Yeah, you were probably partying, I reckon. Yeah, really. So from memory, the, it's um, you sort of check in, you find your ward, people are very helpful, and because of the COVID, there were hardly any patients and loads of nurses, which was really good. There was I was on the ward of four chaps who were probably 15 years plus older than me i was like the the, the young kiddie in in amongst some elderly people really? one of them you knew you knew his son yes <laughs> so i can't go anywhere but and i keep in contact with with john the farmer who was had the same operation with me and uh, we check in on each other and, and both successful His son works in the wine trade, is that that was the connection? Yes, he does at Whiston. Uh, Whiston Estate, who we work with yeah, closely yeah. and we know very well. So you, you get in, uh, I was asked to get in really early, half past seven, then before you know it... You, I the, think you were first on the list, which is quite nice to get out of the way early, which means you've got more chance of getting home sooner. Yes, and I, I think the tactic here is, is be nice, be polite, <laughs> and then you've got the best chance of going in first. Well, it does help. I think you should do that anyway, really, especially during COVID when the NHS are being slammed. I had a, an operation for um, a double hernia. So you have had an operation. Uh, yeah, I forgot about that one. Same yeah, area. Double bag. And, uh, and there was a man there who was quite, he was at the top of the list and he was quite rude. And when they said, you, you haven't had any, anything to eat or drink, and, and he said, this was at half seven in the morning, he said, no, apart from some whiskey. That's and, not happening then. And he picked yeah. up the wrong glass, apparently, in the morning. So he oh, was, really? That old chestnut and, and thought it got, was apple juice. <laughs> he got bumped down the line. So I think be nice to these people and they'll look after you. you don't have they? whiskey for breakfast as well before you have a massive anaesthetic. Maybe that's why he was having an operation. I don't know. He didn't mm. look in good shape. Um, so yeah, I, you get a load of chat, a load of chat, and you have to sign things that um, the operation might go wrong, etc., and responsibilities. Well, and... you were you were offered an epidural. Yeah, to... which 
yeah, which is kind of like, that's terrifying itself. I remember when my sister gave birth and it's kind of like you sign your life away because if it goes wrong, all sorts, all sorts of things can be really bad. I think that was the, the one thing that I was scared most you. worried about because it's like a javelin going into your spine. Isn't yeah, it? well, anyway. that's what women deal with all the time. Yeah, but yeah scary. It, it's, yeah, scary. But the, the the difference with the COVID, as I remember it, is that I think when I had my uh, hernia, you go into like an antechamber to have your, where they prepare you f- to put you, to knock you out. So for that, I was in like a little separate ward on a bed with the anaesthetist and the nurse and stuff. And they were doing the injection to, to knock you out. You count to 10 or whatever it is. But for this one, I was taken straight onto the bed where the operation was going to happen. Next to the table of knives. Next to all the equipment, yeah, all the weapons <laughs> and the robot, the massive robot thing. Did you say hello? <laughs> <laughs> so that wasn't good because then you can sort of see, you're anticipating what tools are going to be involved and mm. none of them look really friendly. Mm. Try having a colonoscopy. I'd, I'd rather not, if you don't mind. <laughs> So, but put the the epidural. They they put something on my back. You sit. You sit. be a needle. Opposite <laughs> the nurse, who's sort of between your legs, looking at you, and you, I'm in that stupid little gown that didn't even fit round me. Yeah. And all you could feel there was like a pushing into your spine, and them stressing that you shouldn't move. And then, and then it kicks in almost immediately. And I think they were having sport when they said, "Can you swing your legs up onto the bed?" Because I could see them and I couldn't move them at all. <laughs> it's weird, weird. I guess that's Not what unpleasant. they're doing to test you to see whether yeah, it works. Yeah. They were all extremely um, lovely. And then, obviously, you can't remember anything after that. And um, How long was the operation? Was it about... Was it four or six hours or something? Something like that, I think. It was quite long, because I remember thinking, oh, God, and I'm counting down every second... Well, it was I'm, quite a long, t- long process. I'm counting down the hours for, for when I can get out. But it's called, they removed the whole prostate, um, tried to minimise any nerve damage because that's what can affect your erections and your bladder control and stuff. Um, but removing the whole uh, prostate hopefully removes all of the cancer with it. And that's called a radical prostatectomy. Um, Not gets... radical as in cool. No, radical meaning everything or something. I, I think the whole lot's coming out. The whole lot is coming out. Um, and it went to plan, so that was good. Um, and that I... also um, removes your the sperm. Yes, so that, that removes any opportunity. Just so of... it's clear for everybody. Of... Of... Um, not having kids, but you do have... I was reading about this the other day. You do and have you... And no ejaculation. To... No, Jack, no, nothing. Just... So, yeah, so, I mean, it's fine, but it's just, I think it's it's all these little things that you don't, it's not really that clear because there's lots of big words and I think sometimes you just want to be told in black and white. Well, I think you are told, but you don't take it in, do you? No. And I think because recently when your friends have been having kids of your sort of age group, peer group, now the the, the realisation is that we're not going to have kids, at least that way round. That's more of a thing now for you, isn't it? It's trickier because the decision's been taken away. Yeah. So it's not having the choice. 
anymore. And we didn't and want them, did we? we no, weren't we, planning we weren't planning to have children, but it's now, well, after the surgery was a definite no, and you didn't sit, freeze any sperm or anything, which everyone asked as well, why didn't you do that? Yeah, but again, which... it wasn't, that wasn't mentioned at all. But I think if really. you were going into this and that is something that's very important to you, you need to consider this before. And there are ways to get it done. You know, you can freeze the sperm and get that organised before surgery. Yes, and there's quite a lot of stuff on the prostate cancer website about that. I saw, I was reading a bit about that and that's... Yeah, so at the time it wasn't on our agenda at all. So we just, we didn't look at it. I mean, we were trying to keep a business going and keep you alive, really, so... Yeah, I think, I think retrospectively, I think the the more of the thought process was getting rid of cancer. Yeah. And, like, my functionality afterwards. Well, you were worried about that. I was just hoping you were going to come back. I was going to come back. <laughs> yes, I? but this is what you say. But yes, I'm but saying from, worried, yes, worried about it's scary and... for the people who aren't having the procedure as well because it's out of your control and you don't know what's happening. Yeah. And it's a long, it's a long old surgery and a long recovery. You know, it's, you're given a year to recover. It's a long time. Like, that's how severe it is. Yeah. And this is with someone who had very minimal symptoms and a low PSA count. Yeah, no, um, no physical problems. So it was quite it is a big process. And it's a big deal. But my brother had the same operation two weeks later. He didn't have an epidural, but he had... Whiskey. Different pain control. He had morphine at some point. And so I think, I I presume, they assessed the patient and then... And then I don't think he was very polite. That's why he didn't get off give, it. Give them the treatment that, that sort of suits them. I suppose that's the process. I don't really know. Um, but yeah, it all, all went well. He was pleased. So you... If you've had an operation, you wake up somewhere, you don't really know where you are. Dry as. Well, you wake up in the hospital, hopefully. Dry as. But that I I felt right after that, actually. I I was feeling quite good because the epidural was still working, so I had no real pain at all. Yeah, but you would have had a cannula for pain relief. So you were probably on a with a drip of some kind, constantly giving you some pain relief. Yeah. You're just thinking everything's cool. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, it was, and I was aware of that, and I, I was really pleased for that. Um, and you had a catheter as well, so you wake up with that in your Johnson. Which, again, I couldn't, I couldn't, um, yeah, so this is a look for me, isn't it? Compression socks, a tiny gown that just comes around to the sides of me, so my arse is hanging out, and a catheter. I'm quite the catch. <laughs> on on the. Bed. I had to get those socks off you. That was something else. Blood, it's like trying to take a wetsuit off. As well. And on your your stomach, there are um, how many incisions? Have Four. Four. And incisions. your belly button. So yeah, five in total. So one through the belly in. button. Four cuts. Two on each side. So two sort yeah. of higher up on the waist and one lower down. I thought there were two in one. But you've got, and you have these sort of dissolvable, I think there are dissolvable stitches on the on the outside and there are stitches on the inside which also dissolve. There's the load of that yellow, what is that? Iodine. Iodine. So it looks a bit of a mess, doesn't it, when you are when you come round? Well, I don't think you looked at it till you got home because you didn't no, want to see I anything. I didn't really want to see it I have it to deal all. with all that. Um, so 
the bed gets wheeled back into the ward where there were only three of us at this point. I don't know where the other bloke went. I presume he was all right. I think he said hello at some point and he'd been moved somewhere else. I, I remembered this as well, that one of the other chaps was, he was having something else done. Um, and I, it, it was, he was a problem. And I just thought well, he's a bit of a knob really. But he, he, it turned out that he had a massive infection or an infection, like a, like a urine infection, and he was just all over the shop. So he spent a lot of his time, not he was shouting, but not aggressively, asking for loads of cups of tea and trying to pull his cannula out. So Ooh. there was, there was claret all over the place. Nice. So I, and that went all the way through the night and I thought he was just a bit of a... I don't know, just a nutter, but he, but he was, uh, it was because of the infection. And that's, that is a big risk as well after any surgery, but this in particular, because you've got the catheter and open wounds, they say that's the biggest thing is to try and avoid infection afterwards. Yeah. So you have to yeah, keep everything very clean and sterile, which we were, luckily I'm OCD, like military precision here. Yeah. Except yeah, the good, one it? time when you didn't, Change the wee bag in time. No. Oh, yeah. Anyway, One, we'll come on to that. Yeah. That's the <laughs> next episode. We've got that to look forward to. <laughs> um, I, and then I, I think I could text you, but reception is not very good, is it? And is it a bit blurry? And yes, and then bit, I think you sort of, upsetting. yeah, it wasn't a nice. But they did help, didn't they? The nurses and stuff. Yeah, and, and you got your cup of tea and your jelly and ice cream or whatever you had. I had, no, I had the driest thing, the tuna sandwich, no mayonnaise, no butter, brown No mayonnaise? Bread, nothing, no. You just can't just put some dry, dry tuna, tuna flakes in a bread. That is the driest thing I've ever had oh, in I think my that's life. wrong. Cup of tea. Um, they, you get told then that you're to keep drinking water, which, but I overdid it. Then. Yes, and you've got the catheter in. Yeah, and so they come and... Um, they come and keep checking it and then you have to sort of empty the bag every once in a while. Um, so it's a, a bit about this timing and so you don't really get any sleep because there's someone coming to check on you to make sure you're all right. Probably they do the blood pressure thing on your arm. Um, they do uh, the temperature, I think. And so, so all of the sort of the, the stuff that to make sure that you're right. And I think at this point, I'm on a mission to, to try and um, get out of there. And so you, you, everything they, they say you need to do, you, you've got to try and do it. And so... Yeah, I think the temptation was that you wanted to go to the toilet all the time, but you have a wee bag attached to you. Yeah. So it's trying to get used to that. Yeah, and, and you... you so the first thing is, can you sit up? So uh, that that takes a bit of effort and you're sitting on something that's just been mauled around. So that's not particularly comfortable and you've got to get yourself into a chair. And I did, but I thought I was going to like hit the floor and pull a whitey there. I, I was sweating and it's, it was quite hard work. I found it. Everyone is different. Um, yeah, well, your brother, he... Um... He couldn't get up at all after his. He could barely no, he move, so he stayed in, in for days, yeah he? for a couple of days. But um, I did, and he was pukey and 
Yeah, he was. He, he, yeah, he was. He he was a lot worse than me. Um, well, different. And your mate John was up and running around. Pretty much dancing. He was, yeah. He was good to go, yeah. And he was an older chap. And uh, so it just, it just shows that each person will, will recover differently. But once you've, you've done that a few times... I guess because you've been lying down as well, you're a bit lightheaded, aren't you, I suppose? Um, but then you've got to walk the length of the bed and prove that you can do that with your little bag and your, everything hanging from you. Then they try and get you to walk to the toilet and empty your own bag. Um, yes, how the bag is, works. <laughs> which is... And how to change the catheter. Yeah, and then someone comes, the nurses come round and you're sitting there in your gown and they're sort of sitting... They can see everything, but it's basically just a tiny earlobe down there. And I don't know where it, where it went. It just back in fear, and it retracted. The acorn. And they, uh, and they're talking about how how what you do with the the catheter and how you change it and how you're going to do it at home and all of that. Which basically you didn't listen to. You just came home with a lot of leaflets, which no, we then, which listen, then we went hard, through. It's hard to take in information, isn't it? It's yeah, and it's, I think you just wanted to get out. Yeah. They were super nice, and the the disappointing thing about the nurses is that I, I don't think they had any faces because they they just had masks on all the time, which might be the same now. I'm not sure, but it's 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 a shame when you can't see people and you know they're smiling underneath and they they don't always look like they're smiling. You can just see eyes, so it's uh, it was it was quite quite odd, but finally got it um sorted. Then you have to wait for the the nurses to tell the doctor that you're happy to go he or she says that they're happy for you to go then you have to wait for your drugs and stuff from the pharmacy that takes a while can take a while yeah to come um down to the ward and they're really as they should be really everyone's concerned that you shouldn't be let out too soon in case you get into trouble when you go yeah and you're in a wheelchair you get given a bag you had like a little like a sports bag (laughs) Yeah, to bring home with goodies. all shiz in, like... Um, Christmas presents for everyone. Antibiotics. Antibiotics, yes. Uh, pain relief. Needles. So I had to inject my stomach every oh, day. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that, we'll put that into the next episode because I'm feeling so a bit So we were injecting and, and big pads, like big sanitary pads. towels, but yeah. bigger. Yeah. We, we referred to them as nappies, but they had, they had no nappies. stretch... But they were sort of, they're just for lining your pants because you get discharge and blood. Yeah. So then Which you yeah. did. And yeah, and then you have to change those like you would a sanitary towel every couple of hours or as needed. Wheelchair to the door of the hospital and then uh, no handover really. You've got to get yourself into the car. You, you were allowed to pull up outside, weren't you, for the transaction? <laughs> Which at that point we had a tiny little car, didn't we? And that journey was not cool. I was. I was just no, holding myself off. off that, the you seat. do that most journeys in my car. <laughs> Doesn't matter what car it is either. So that was it. That was that was the um, operation. And then we got you good. home, and you got into bed really, and it was kind of rest, but make sure that you're getting up as often as you can. Yeah, we'll tackle Don't that. Don't just in stay still. Next episode. But what was uh, very useful advice for the um, post-operation bit was wear everything super baggy, clothes-wise. Because you're you're you don't want your clothes to really rub or tug on anything, so to anything easy to put on and take off, baggy, that was good. That was good advice. That was. Yeah. 
So there you have it. That's the um, operation, the operation done. done. It'll be recovery at home next episode, episode four. Um, share this podcast if you if you know people that uh, might find be, it useful. Yeah, this would be important too. But um, we shall be back next time. Yeah. Bye. Bye.